Welcome back to another installment of the MM Altogether podcast. This is your host, Blake Abedes, and I hope you're about to get funked up with our boy, Tyler Funky Bones Jones. Real great episode in store for you. Thanks for coming back if you're listening this Thursday, May 21st, 2020. A few brief notes before we get into the episode. I am now on my new podcast listing service, so the episodes are going to be a bit longer, so I hope you enjoy the increased content. Thanks for your patience last week concerning the delayed release of my interview with Quentin, and I also know that I promised a fight breakdown episode due to all the complications and stress that the transition involved. I was unable to release that episode, so be prepared. Keep your eyes and ears peeled. It's coming out Monday. Monday, Monday, Monday. If you can even remember when Monday is, because there's no such thing as a weekend anymore. But fuck it! Well, maybe not in Illinois. Some of you other states are on the right track and opening up. But Pritzker, hashtag, fuck JB. Not a fan, bro. But back to positive news. Uh, Like I said, a couple of brief notes. One, uh, I wanted to shout out a brand that I've been working with a little bit more. It's... Nine Lives Jiu-Jitsu. It was a brand that was started in 2013 and spent multiple years building. This brand exists to shift the perception of quality design in a saturated market. This brand is ever so quickly rising to the top of the industry, littered with competitors. Their aspirations are to build a worldwide family who already share a common interest in Jiu-Jitsu and further refine that to a crew of folks who align with their passions. I've got some rash guards in the mail coming in from them. They are not a show sponsor. This is just a gentleman who I believe in. He lost his full-time job due to the coronavirus, and I'm going to support him any way I can. And this is the small business that I'm supporting in this podcast. A lot of other podcasters that have a much larger audience than me are doing it. I think everyone right now should do everything that they can to support their local business with the means that they have. So 9livesjujitsu.com, check out some of their drip. It's real nice. Final note before I kick this episode off. This episode is dedicated in memoriam to my mother, Pamela Jean Hannah Doman. Without her, I wouldn't be here on the mic this very day. I wouldn't have all the love and happiness and joy that I bring in to this podcast along with the enthusiasm. Those were all virtues that she instilled in me. And I'm taking this time to honor her. I had a lot of people reach out to me yesterday because it was her birthday, sharing me the love, giving me that love back. And that's so rewarding. So thank you all for listening. I appreciate you coming back in. And here we go. Let's get into it. Tyler Funky Bones Jones. And to get things started, we're going to kick it off with the tail of the tape. Weighing in on the other side of the iPhone that for some reason just couldn't stay connected to a call during this interview is our man, Tyler Funky Bones Jones, with a cumulative reach of 1,031 followers. My name's Tyler Funky Bones Jones, um, 2-0 MMA fighter, two pro grappling matches right now, and I train out of Intercept MMA and Feral Academy. So Feral Academy, I do all my jiu-jitsu there. Intercept is where I do all my MMA and stand-up. And, um, you know, quick shout-out to the sponsors, Trials and Tribulations, K-Picks, Toothpicks. Um, oh, there's so many to name. I have to, I have to look at my shorts now. Hold on. You need <laughs> a PR manager. The worst, <laughs> the worst sponsored athlete in the world. Rare Breed Empire, Trials and Tribulations, 
uh, Capex Toothpicks, uh, both of my gyms, Black Dragon Fighting Society podcast, American Steel Fabricators, Tap Cancer Out, um, and uh, on Tap Sportsnet, Funky Bones Jones on Instagram. That's the best place to follow me to get all of your uh, updates on what I'm doing every day. Unlike Johnny Bones, Mr. Tyler is a lot more stand-up of a citizen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so for everyone out listening, I actually met Tyler at a grappling tournament uh, a little less than a year ago. Um, he was my opening match in the gi that day. And for those of you who don't compete, these tournaments are probably some of the easiest places to make friends or just experience camaraderie. Um pending victory or defeat uh it was cool like obviously i uh, well i noticed tyler when he was competing in his nogi because he was wearing some fuck craig jones shorts and like at the time i was just like heavily invested in like all donaher death squad shit so i'm like i gotta talk to this kid because you were the only one who had balls to like wear something other than a fuji (laughs) like approved gi which is just like black white and blue so um Really cool kid. I'm really grateful to have you on the podcast, uh, taking some time out of your day to join us and speak with us. So uh, to kick things off, what a, I know when we first met, because I had asked why you were in a more advanced class for no gi than you were for regular gi, it was because you, you, began, your, you began your career wrestling. Yes or no? So I started wrestling uh, my freshman, well, my eighth grade summer, so like freshman year of high school, let's say. Um, but I had started wrestling always with the idea of getting into MMA. So I, I think I saw my first MMA fight when I was in seventh grade. It was Stephen Bonner versus Forrest Griffin, like tough one finale. Um, Fuck yeah, <laughs> iconic. Yeah, I saw that fight when I was in seventh grade, and I knew that's what I wanted to do as a career. Um, but it took me a long time to kind of like have things come to fruition and, and finally start living out that dream. But I'm doing it now, and yeah, it feels great. So, what transition from where? Did you go wrestling straight into MMA and, like, that's what went into jujitsu? So, I wrestled all throughout high school. And, like I said, you know, the, the end goal was always MMA. So, you know, I think that's why um, a bit of my style kind of bleeds in. My, my wrestling style and my wrestling class and my, the students that I teach wrestling to have such, you know, a, a good amount of success when they, when they go and compete in jujitsu because my wrestling has always been crafted with them like, within mind of competing in jiu-jitsu and mma but you know i went through high school wrestling all four years and then i was lucky enough to wrestle in college for two years and um you who'd know, you wrestle that, for in college i wrestled for lakeland university so it's a small d3 school in sheboygan wisconsin but um you know that ncaa wrestling experience is unlike one uh i can't even explain how grateful i am for that experience and so that that really helped me as a competitor and as a human being as a whole, uh, to be at that level competing. But yeah, so after that, I took some time off and, um, you know, about in my last two years of college, I transferred out to DePaul here in Chicago and finished up my degree. And I joined a jiu-jitsu gym at Farrell Academy and I started training jiu-jitsu and, um, you know, I just started, I started realizing that I wanted that, everyday grind in my life a little bit more and I thought to myself if not now then when on my MMA career so I just kept training and and shed up some weight I got up to like 220 pounds which was crazy for me 
uh, considering I wrestled at 157 when I was in college. So it was a, a ton of weight to put on. And, um, yeah, so I, once I started training with Anthony Farrow at Farrow Academy, uh, we just, he started getting me in shape, and it started seeming more and more like an MMA career would be on the horizon. And then uh, after, like, three or four months training with him, uh, we decided to take a fight and got in there. And when did uh, because listening to your your podcast, it sounds like your career has really taken off in the past year. So when was that first fight? So that first fight was May fifth. Um, so just closed in just just happened just a year ago, last weekend um, or last week, sometime last week. But yeah, May fifth was uh, my first one against Ihor Dezuma. And that was and by decision, right? I think. Yeah, it was by decision. It was an absolute war. Um, we won fight of the night that night. I broke my nose, but uh, I learned a lot about myself that night for sure. Man, it sounds like you uh, you're good at collecting those post fight accolades. <laughs> I'm I make, trying, man. I make no, that no, a habit. You and I got into a gi. Now, Tyler's way better in no gi. Like, he's told you this, folks. Congratulations. I know you recently got promoted to blue belt, Tyler. Thank you, thank But you. I held Tyler to 2-0, and that was my best performance. That whole fucking afternoon was a 2-0 loss, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, I think that was uh, the gi, man. It took me a little bit to understand um, how, to, how to compete. You know what I mean? And I wanted to mention this too, like, you know, wrestlers were so, our entire success is driven off of competition-based success, right? So that's what I try and base my entire progression off of, not only in this sport, or jiu-jitsu, but in MMA. It's all competition-based. So if I'm not doing well in competition, I'm not doing well as a whole. I don't see progress. So, And that's something just because wrestlers, we compete you know, 40 times in a season, something along those lines. And um, so within the gi, you know, it took me, it took a lot of time to get me into the gi, for, for sure. Um, you know, just months and months of the, the jiu-jitsu coach testing me to get into it. Um, but now, and obviously there's going to be some setbacks because I haven't hopped in the gi in quite some time just because of all this corona stuff. But now I feel really comfortable in it. And I really like it. Um, I think my last big tournament was at, the last one I did at Blue Belt, I outscored everyone. I think it was like 64 to nothing. Something Damn. Was so it was, it was, I'm starting to get the hang of it, for sure. But, you know, just the grits, and especially when, you know, when someone like yourself was strong, grits, pulls guard, and I don't have the opportunity to kind of get that tape down and, and get to a position where I feel a little bit more comfortable. It's definitely something I'm working on. Um, but I've been known to pull guard here and there now. So <laughs> this is maybe not just a wrestler anymore. That's some day one jujitsu shit. It's just pull guard. <laughs> I, see, now, like, I know you said you've become more comfortable in the gi. And, like, honestly, since, uh, like, my entry into this journey uh, through jujitsu, which is now, like, I think coming up on 18 months. But, uh, like, I had the double fracture in my arm, which kind of sidelined me for a bit. Honestly, I prefer Jeez. no gi. There's just way more scrambles. It's way more fun. Like, I feel like so many more submissions open up. Yeah, 100%. There's so much more room. Um, but, you know, in the inverse of that is I've, I've felt, you know, and if anyone who's ever rolled with me 
um, I mean, you, I'm sure you can ask you. I know you mentioned that you have some teammates that, that competed against me, and you could ask them, like, the the thing that makes my jiu-jitsu tough to deal with is my top pressure. And I feel that my no-gi top pressure has gotten better than it was when I first started because of the gi, because there is no space in the gi, so you have to make sure that you account for that, you know? And when you, it, that translates to no-gi so well, so, so well. Um, and then just the other thing that I wanted to mention too about competing in the gi is like, oh man, on your feet, it is absolutely exhausting. Like, I hate it so yep. much. It's so terrible, you know? As, as a collegiate wrestler, for me to say that, it's just like, oh, I hate it. I can't stand it because everyone just grabs cross collar and like, you can't move. And I'm starting to figure out kind of what to do. You know, I, I honestly, I think it's, it's less of wrestling and more judo stuff. That's, that's really what people got to get into because wrestling just does not translate well in the game. Oh man. I, uh, I never wrestled like not even once I wanted to when I was in high school, but I like the only thing that's brought me any solace, at least in stand up in a gi is right. When they grab that cross collar choke or well, the cross collar grip rather, like I almost kind of like go up and over their arm and then start to shoot on a single because a lot of times they'll continue to hold on my lapel and then I can kind of just like leg drag them. That's worked a couple times for me, but like, again, we're talking night and day, different games. Like I'm fucking, I'm like level one shit. (laughs) (laughs) It's crazy though, man. Like just, just the way, that's what I love about the sport, right? Is that it's, it's, such a complex sport that wearing more clothes is a completely different game than wearing less clothes, but it's the same sport. You know what I mean? Like you're playing yeah. the same game, but just that added measure makes it like two completely different things. And that's why I respect so much the people who only do gi and respect the people who only do no gi. And, you know, I, I want to be someone, you know, you see these guys like James Krause and like Austin Vanderford and, and some of these MMA guys who stay really, really, really active in the submission grappling scene as well. That's the kind of person I want to be. That's the kind of fighter I want to be too. Um, you know, not, I won't be the type of guy who's taken Muay Thai fights and kickboxing fights, but I definitely want to be very, very active in grappling while I'm fighting, for sure. I feel like, and I don't know, there's, because like you said, and something I really appreciated what you said is the fact that you wage a lot of your progress and your status based on how you are in a competition, like coming from your wrestling background. I feel as if though in a sport such as mixed martial arts, like at least the striking component, I feel like you can get enough of that repetition in, like at least with sparring partners with like the equipment on versus like, you know, when you're you're sparring rolling if that all, if yeah. that makes sense because like you know you can punch people and you can go you know 90 95 percent and you know not always feel bad about it but at the same time when you're going that 90 to 100 percent when you're rolling like that's yanking on someone's joints like really tight like that'll put you out in a choke which most people i'm sure have like been there before but you know like accidents happen in the gym and i feel like you're at more of a risk in the gym, like, submission-wise and you are striking-wise, per se. So I feel like yeah. in a competition, it almost keeps those, um, I want to say instincts, but I don't think that's necessarily the right word, but, you know, keep, like, your like those same muscle neurons firing at a point where 
you know, that competitive edge isn't going to disappear, if that makes sense. No, 100%. And, you know, the thing with striking, too, is, is as as you progress in this sport and as you, you know, you continue to strive towards loftier goals and loftier altitudes, you're going to be sparring with higher level guys. And that's kind of where I find myself right now is I've only been striking since, you know, December. We have this December is when I joined Intercept MMA and that's where I, you know, have now been working with Danny Summers, the head coach there, who is like a brilliant striker. And so I'm under the tutelage of someone who's working on my striking for the first time ever in my life. And it's only been since December, right? So I'm starting to, I'm sparring these guys and, and drilling with these guys who have been training stand up for years and years and years. And it's hard, it's tough, and I'm not at the level of them. But you're able to kind of protect, not protect, but you're able to kind of cushion and learn striking in a way. Intercept has a really cool system where we don't do a ton of sparring. But we do a lot of situational drilling. Like we drill that we drill so 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 much, and it just kind of like, you know, it's it's takes the word drilling and like really drills it into your head. These reactions and these these combinations that you're supposed to be throwing and the way that you're supposed to be moving after it's just constantly constantly drilling. Um, whereas you know, rolling for me at least, I'm so comfortable grappling that. You know, I, I feel like I'm pretty safe in the gym and, and pretty safe also on the mats. You know, when I'm stepping out to compete, you know, I have stepped on that mat for that 1v1 type of experience hundreds of times, you know what I mean? And it, it just, for me, to grow as a competitor is, is, is like I said, the team I'm after, you know? So to be able to step on the mat, that's why, I, you know, last year I think I competed uh, you know, close to 40 times again. And, you know, I'm going to try and do that every year. Obviously, these year, this year, probably the numbers will be down. But, you know, I try and do as many competitions as I can just because, um, you know, that, that work is, you can't set a price on that, you know. And, and of course, losses come last year. Last year, I did not lose at all. But this year, I took one loss in the gi um, by decision. And, you know that was that was one that really motivated me to say, I need to get better. I need to get better in the gi. And I need to, you know, it was it was one where I fell back on an ankle lock and I thought I had it. It was close. We had and we were near the edge of the mat, so the referee set us and uh, put me in a bad position to to kind of lay there for the rest of the match and and not do much. But it's stuff like that, that that competition brings to the table where now I will sleep every night and think about that little mistake that I made and make sure that I won't do it again. And that's where my growth comes in my game. So, you know, competing in jujitsu, like you said, I think you have a lot of opportunity to kind of stay safe and, and just kind of get that work in, get those neurons firing, get that muscle memory going. A hundred percent. Like I never had the experience where I had to compete multiple times in a day. Like, like I said, I never wrestled. The closest I got was I played soccer, uh, like for the first 20 years of my life. And there were a few games as I got older, uh, like where tournaments, I'd have to play like two or three games in a day, just splitting time between JV and varsity. But it's, uh, not even remotely the same. It's a bit more like long-term endurance where you can get like a lot of that active rest versus you i mean you know and most people who are listening will know three to five minutes of you know probably a heart rate over 130 to 140 with not very many dips beneath that 
Well, yeah, because you just came off of, I did a bit more, uh, I don't know if you want to call it recon or whatnot. Um, well, you had that combat quest bot. Was that not this past weekend, but two weekends ago, if I understood yeah, the, the timeline yeah, right? two weeks ago. Yeah, I was in Florida. Um, there's supposed to be a combat jiu-jitsu match, but the guy, like, I got there and he had asked the promoter and the ref if we could not do combat and not do heel hooks. <laughs> I was like, what is that? here for? And they, they changed the rules on the fly to accommodate yeah, that? Yeah. Oh, damn. It was weird. I'm not sure why they did that, but you know, at that point, I was like, you know what, I'm already out here, so. Well, yeah, because I was listening to, um, shit, I don't have the website pulled up, but your your podcast with Brian. Oh, the, and, uh, the fight card one? Yeah. And I was like, well, you were going into it, it's like, yeah, we're going to go into combat jujitsu, and I mean, the only place I've seen that outside, well, I've actually never seen it anywhere outside of uh, Eddie Bravo Invitationals. I've never yeah, seen, same. like, a, any local promotions, like, adopt those. So to, like, hear that, I was like, oh, shit, that's cool. Yeah, it is cool. I think it opens up the ability for, like, other people to hop in and compete, you know? People well, that aren't really ready to fight, per se. Ex- exactly. That was my point. Like, it helps that, uh, like, that trans... I don't even know if you'd want to call it a transitionary period, but, you know, it kind of, like... Yeah. Well, well, yeah. It definitely can be a transitionary period for sure. I know this guy um, that I'm pretty close with in Wisconsin. He competes a lot. I think he trains out of like uh, I can't remember his gym somewhere in Green Bay. But he he's gonna take a combat jiu-jitsu match on the same card that I'm going to in July. We'll talk about that again later. But um, and he's trying to get into MMA, but he's gonna use that as kind of like a, a foot in to see what it's like to get in there and compete because it is intense, you know. So. I just didn't know like there was a platform for, you know, combat jujitsu bouts like more in an amateur realm. Yeah. So I know we 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 touched on it a little bit and we were getting into it there on your competition experience. Um, what was the uh, promotion that you're booked to fight come June? Yeah. So June. Uh, well, so two weeks ago I was in Florida and I had a uh, submission only grappling match. I was able to get the W in. You know, flew out there the day of, weighed in the day of. Uh, that was with Vigilant and the main. And, uh, yeah, it was a great experience. You know, like, I, you know, one day I hope to own my own gym and, uh, you know, be on the big shows fighting. And, and right now I'm just kind of filling out my resume, right? Like, every time I step into that cage, it's just another, you know, another client in my own. You know, every time there's a picture taken of me in a cage competing, it's just, you know, more backup for why I should be teaching you later in life so that's a little bit why i try and compete so much but yeah in june um i will be fighting well who knows now because i'm pretty sure the governor just said that they're going to extend everything to the 15th but uh i'm supposed to be fighting for fight card entertainment um which is uh, you know the only place i've done mma for now and, and probably uh, you know we'll continue that for a little bit because they do take care of me pretty well over there but yeah, I'm supposed to fight June 13th. Um, who knows if that'll happen? And then I have another combat jiu-jitsu match lined up for July 18th. So I'm trying to stay busy, my friend. And are those local? Um, fight card will be. Yeah, fight card will be um, in the outskirts of Chicago. It'll be like in River Grove, Illinois, so not too far from O'Hare. And um, the combat jiu-jitsu one will be in Florida again with the same promotion, Vigilant. Oh, that'll be dope. Then, uh, if you peep out Tyler's podcast, 
his old man works for, uh, I'm not going to tell you what air, airline provider, but he gets to pocket some, pocket a little bit of extra change when he gets them, them standby flights. Exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that gym money, son. <laughs> oh man, I love that. Well, I'll have to make it out uh, for your MMA fight. Hopefully, that happens. I'll keep my fingers crossed. I love going to the amateur promotions. I think it it really provides a a un- I'm not even gonna call it. A, yeah, it is. It is a fucking unique a experience. Unique, yeah, because yeah, you get a lot of amateur fighters. A lot of them are local. Some of them not even so local. Like they'll come from three, four hours out. You know, just to get on these cards. And even the last one I went to, and I think it was Fight to Win in Cicero. Because um, actually a mutual friend of ours, uh, Marcos Estrada. Oh, that was funny. That's the same promotion I fight for. Oh, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I was there that night. I was uh, corner. <laughs> oh, wow. Small world. Yeah, I didn't know that shit. Damn. Yeah, well, oh, so then you know that one kid, kid, and I don't know if it was the kid from Antioch. The dude who came out in the blue suede shoes and like... High head kick that motherfucker and like oh, put him yeah, out yeah, stone yeah. cold. That is, uh, what is his name? Um, Kale. Kale something is his name. When he was like falling, right? Like, yeah, like, yeah, he was yeah. like falling. It almost looked like a drop kick to the head. Yeah, yeah, yeah he's awesome. Kale's really good. Yeah, no shit. Oh, fuck, cool. Trailing on back then, um, to your moniker. Funky Bones Jones, if you check him out on Instagram, what uh, what makes you extra groovy, man? <laughs> I, I think it's a, it's a two way tie between my training attire and my hair right now, but I think I'm gonna have to go with the hair. That's what makes me extra groovy. Fuck yeah, you've yeah. got that, you've got that flow that I'm jealous of, but dude, you've also got a sick tie dye gi, and I'm pretty sure I've also seen you in a hot pink gi, and uh, <laughs> yeah, the rash guard game's on point. The rash guard game is on point, man. That is. That's so, the, where the funky bones comes from is, is definitely, uh, there's two things. It's my training attire, which at the jiu-jitsu gym and my MMA gym, people take great offense to. Everyone hates it. Um, you know, and it's not just with rash guards. I'm sitting here right now. Um, I'm about to drill some, some Muay Thai drills after this, but I have some lime green and purple gloves that I'm staring at. So Fuck don't yeah. worry, everyone. <laughs> it's not just the rash guards and shorts. It's everything. If you can be anything, um, be loud. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's what, exactly what it is. And uh, But the second part is that my grappling and wrestling is and my striking is very funky. Like, it's not... Typically, you know, it's, I'm not conventional in any way, in any sense of the word, um, you know, and I, I feel like I've, I've, I've kind of leaned into that, you know, my physical abilities of kind of being unconventional and kind of applied that to who I am as a person, you know, like walking out, like last fight, I walked out to Staying Alive uh, by the Bee Gees, the last grappling match I had, I walked out to uh, Rubber Band Man by the Spinners, like just kind of leaning into that kind of goofy and, and like lighthearted look at what the sport actually is. And, you know, for me, I think like, like I've touched on a couple times is that, you know, that comes with competition and comfortable comfortability in the fire, you know, and that's, that's where, that's where I make my money. And that's where I, I'm able to kind of cook people is that ability to stay calm and, and have fun, right? Like the reason we're doing all of this is to have fun and especially compete and especially step in the cage it's just that this is all supposed to be for fun, you know. This no one would willingly choose to do this if if they didn't want to or if they didn't want to have fun doing it. So I love being able to kind of like stand out in a way that's unique to myself. 
Well, you kind of almost embody the like the innocence of like the love of the sport too, and I think that's really what I take away from what you just said, which is like super empowering because away from like all the acclaim and uh, you know the accolades that you could achieve, like you just said it right there. Like for you, it's about staying true to yourself, which is eccentric, and fuck everyone else and what they have to say because. You know, it's your life, it's your path, it's your mission. You do it your way, so you're going to keep doing it your way. 100%. Fuck that's you. Cool, right? Oh, yeah, man. That's, uh, if it, it's a great goal, but it takes a special kind of person to, you know, step to step out of their comfort zone and pursue it. Not saying, like, in other avenues of the, their lives, like, they're not willing to accept that challenge, but for some reason, for a lot of people, the challenge of just, authentically being yourself 100% of the time gets very skewed amidst societal norms and expectations. So I applaud everyone and anyone who really just leans into who they are because a lot of times we are chastised for leaning into those exact pieces of who we are. So the more you see people that do that, the more empowering it is for others. And honestly, like, I just love the individualism. Like, I don't like life being vanilla. Like, it's just too fucking boring, you know? Yeah. 100%, man, 100%. And, like, you know, I know we'll touch on this later a little bit, but, like, you know, there was a a long portion of my life where I wasn't this person, you know what I mean? I was, was you know, doing other stuff and not leaning into this portion of my life. So having the ability to kind of almost, like, I've almost seen myself become who I've always wanted to be in the last year. And that, to me, is, you know, that holds the most truth and, and holds the most currency right now to me because I'm who I want to be. I'm living the life that I want to be. You know, I, it's just, it's great to kind of like, it, it, it puts you at ease to kind of sit back and look at what you're doing and know that this is what you're supposed to be doing. You know what I mean? It's, I know what you're talking about because I felt it recently since, um, beginning this podcast. It's, it's almost like a sense of fulfillment that you never knew like you really needed to have. But it, Or no, this is the analogy that I've used for it. It's like you've got this puzzle practically finished and you're just like looking for that one piece that like goes in the dead center and then you like push that puzzle piece in like that, satisfact- like that satisfying like whole feeling. Right. I think that's the best way I've been able to articulate it. Not saying like you've completed a puzzle, but it's more like oh, like, I'm fitting into the mold that I've been creating for myself, but I'm now comfortable to put the pieces of myself into that image. Right, 100%. And I think, you know, and, you know, I think for me, within these last year, like this last year of competing, and, and it's been a crazy year, man, like the, the amount of, uh, the amount of support I've been able to get and achieve and the amount of just kind of like, you know, attention I've gotten for, for fighting and, and not just, you know, not, not that attention is, is the be all end all, but like the attention from, from different fighters and the, and, and the camaraderie that comes with that attention has been absolutely astounding. And I think a lot of people, I think that has happened because, you know, I am, it, it's so easy to see that I am being a hundred percent me right now and, and being a hundred percent you and who you want to be makes you happy, right? And, if you're happy, other people can kind of see that and, and that makes others happy. So it's definitely something like MMA has, has been able to really like 
almost like slap me in the face kind of and tell me like you need to live the life that you want to live not one that you know you're too scared to live absolutely there's i mean when you're putting your body and your mind in compromising situations and like they're not always you know life and death but you know going to the gym and getting choked out or like getting slapped at getting kicked getting punched like you know you're definitely putting yourself in harm's way but I think it's those moments like when you realize like how uncomfortable it is to be doing something like that but how comfortable you are doing it then you can really start to employ that like mode of thinking into oh yeah well I'll embody this ethos and employ it in the rest of my life and the what you just said about martial arts like how propelling you to that that's exactly what jujitsu did for me um like I suffer from bipolar 2 disorder and like I would tell people jujitsu is the only place where I'm present but once I realized like I can find that presence in jujitsu I've been able to channel that line of thinking in several other different walks of my life and be present in those as well and it's all just a modality through you know things that I've learned in martial arts so I think there's a lot of great teachings that can be taken and translated into several walks of life which is why it's such a unique sport. Yeah, and that's the whole reason that we do this, right? That's why I love this sport so much. It's why this sport is so beautiful to me is that, you know, first of all, like from a fighter's perspective, when you go in there, whether it be on the mat or especially in the cage, like you are absolutely the most transparent that you'll ever be in your entire life. And there's, you know, there's a sense of like not only honor, but like being true to yourself to to walk in and, and have someone close and lock that gate behind you is you essentially saying I have a hundred percent confidence in myself and what I've been doing in my preparation for this moment for these nine minutes right here or these twenty five minutes right here to do what I'm supposed to do you know what I mean and that's like the ultimate trust in yourself and I don't think we as human beings trust ourselves enough. You know, we lean so much on others and we lean so much on society and, and the norms of society where we almost forget that, you know, we can be our own greatest provider in most things, you know, not just money, but also emotion and fulfillment. And I think that that's almost the beauty of this is that like, like you just said, it kind of transcends the actual moments in the gym. It transcends what's actually going on. It gives you the opportunity to like grow as a martial artist and simultaneously as a human as well. Well said. Absolutely well said. Now, this is a this is kind of like switching gears because it was a question that I thought about but failed to ask prior. Do you find uh, with your, say, increased wrestling experience, certain submissions open up for you more than others? Yeah. And I think that's why a big part of my game um, has gone, has kind of come into to, to jokes, right? To dark jokes and, and to Kimuras and that whole system, um, you know, that I've kind of made for myself. Uh, because wrestlers, especially wrestlers, when, when we get that top position, we smother. You know, we, we make it hard to breathe. We make it hard to hip escape. And, you know, a good wrestler with with a good understanding of what jiu-jitsu is, we're not going to let you move at all. And with that being said, I think that chokes for me open up a lot because people are so 
they don't want to be under me anymore, that they start to kind of hip escape and leave their necks open more than they normally would. And, um, yeah, I think, I think pressure really, really helps kind of open up the game for me. And that's for someone not having a wrestling background. And I think from, cause I've been trying to get into it a bit more by watching Olympic wrestling to try and familiarize myself with it. The whole concept of wrestling obviously is to get someone down to their back and like pin them. So you want like both shoulders on the mat. So even when they're kind of like belly down, you want their whole body to be like on the mat essentially. Cause does that make it easier for you to, uh, I guess rotate their bodies to like get them their shoulders on the mat when that, that's like where the pressure derives from. Is that an accurate understanding? Or yeah. No? So, Especially, so there's a, there's a couple different styles of wrestling. Um, you know, the ones that we see in the Olympics are either Greco-Roman, uh, which is like you can't touch their legs at all when you're on your feet, so it's only upper body stuff. So you see guys like uh, Greco, like some successful Greco-Roman wrestler, you know, Randy Couture, yeah, Randy Couture. is a really good one. Dan Henderson is another. Um, and you saw those guys had really good upper body throws and, and good control of the clinch and dirty boxing because they were so comfortable there. Uh, but then we also have guys who are really good at freestyle wrestling, which is like the, probably one of the more popular versions of wrestling. Um, you know, that's where your Jordan Burroughs comes in, and and all and, and a lot of these like Henry Cejudo's and the big gold medalist in, in freestyle wrestling. Daniel Cormier is a freestyle wrestler, um, and then there's uh, folk style wrestling, which is what collegiate wrestling is and all high school wrestling is. And I think that is where the pressure comes from because um, the point, the scoring system in, in wrestling is in, in folk style wrestling is uh, you get your takedown, right? You get two points for takedown. Um, but your opponent, once they get taken down, is going to be trying to stand up the whole time because once they get, once they stand up, they get a point once they get they for the escape, right? For the escape. Right. So not only are we trying to you know get that pin and get that back exposure, that also gives us points. But you know, I can win. You know, I cannot tell you how many matches, and my high school teammates can attest to this, where I would get either a takedown in the first period and just grind someone out on their on bottom the entire match and never give up a point, win two to nothing, or I would get an escape in the second period and have to ride them out in the third period for two minutes straight, just on top of someone holding their wrists and driving your shoulder into their back and just kind of like riding them. You know what I mean? Uh, that's where the pressure comes from is just kind of understanding how to make sure, you know, not only how to go for the pin and get that pressure, but also how do we make sure this person does not stand up? Like, how do I make sure I control this person's hips and really, really like make them carry my weight? And that's, I think that's where that, that pressure lies within wrestlers. That makes a lot of sense too. Then translating to your game, because with immobile hips, like there's no, there's no reverse, there's no sweeps, there's no subs. You're just stuck. Right. A hundred percent. And then being stuck, right? Like that's the perfect analogy for it is that that's where my game starts to get interesting because if I, if I make you stuck and I'm drowning you in this pressure, you're going to start giving me things that, you know, that I want because you want to get out of that position because it feels so shitty to be there. Huh. Well, good shit. <laughs> I mean, if we ever get matched up again, who knows? I got to get a blue belt first. Yeah. And I don't know if that, that's going to happen anytime soon, but I don't know. Maybe it's something I look out for. Just kidding. Yeah, just, yeah, just, don't, just don't get under me. It'll be fine. Yeah, I don't. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, yeah. Easier said than done. <laughs> 
<laughs> Do you struggle with any mental health issues? Has this quarantine, like, exacerbated those? So, you know, it's funny that we ask that and the way that we frame that question, too, is, is, is the quarantine, um, you know, has it caused any or brought any to light? For me, it's almost... Um, it's almost done the inverse of that, and it's almost kind of let me become a little bit more comfortable with myself, and and um, you know lean into lean into myself and what I actually want to do, and 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 you know be around the people who you know actually make me happy and, and do the things that actually make me happy. You know, I've, I've had a couple uh, you know life changes that I won't get into for sure. Um, happened right before the quarantine or you know right when it had started and um you know nothing too crazy but definitely some things that um i've kind of allowed myself to to lean into myself more you know lean on myself and then kind of understand what makes me happy and um, i don't think that that would have happened as smoothly if there wasn't a quarantine if that makes any sense um, so it's almost you know, like the quarantine has allowed you like the space, like in terms of like navigating this transition, which has helped you yeah. fall more in alignment with yourself. Right. Because I, could, I can't always run away to training. Right. Like that, that's, that's the big thing is that like, you know, when stuff happens in your life, especially fighters and, and jiu-jitsu players, we have that escape every night that we can just go do that and, and it's impossible to think about what's going on in your life because you're trying not to get strangled or punched in the face. Amen. So, <laughs> you know, with that being said, you know, when, 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 we, when there is kind of a cutback in frequency with what's going on in the world and we can't really go to the gym every day, I think it's kind of forced me to say, you know, hey, this is what you really want to do. We need to make the changes um, that need to be made in order to do so. And I think, you know, it's been, it's been definitely, listen, I'm not, I'm not saying that it's been a good thing, this, this quarantine, but it's definitely allowed me to come to some realizations that, um, you know, maybe would have been tougher to come to if not. And, and, and as a whole, mental health issues, I don't, I don't, I mean, I do suffer with some, like, I, I do suffer from some, like, lack of confidence in, in some realms, for sure, um, you know, and, and just the normal stuff, you know, I think everyone goes through it, um, you know, kind of questioning what you're doing and if it's the right thing to do, and, and I did a lot of that before I really started training and, and leaning into what was going on, you know, becoming a fighter, I think before that, I questioned everything I did just because my, you know, I, I knew that it probably wasn't the thing I should be doing, that this was, should be the thing I was doing. So, you know, you almost question every decision you make when you're not doing the thing that, um, you know, you're meant to do. Huh. I just struggle with like, well, a lot of what you just said there, like really hit home on like a certain just on several levels, at least in my life personally, like that I can think of. And I, uh, I, I, I just, that was really impactful, Tyler. Like, thank you. But that, <laughs> like, I'm for sure, like, I'm for sure going to take that page out of your playbook. Oh shit. Him with that geek this is the segment where our guest is going to let you into their lives just a little bit more with an exclusive story that they necessarily don't tell everyone when they are asked about their trials and tribulations. Inspired from this segment is a playlist. You can find it on Apple Music and Spotify. 
It contains all the songs that are inspiring of all our guests up to date. So after this episode, go to wherever you listen to music and make sure you listen, like, and subscribe. You know, I know you, you like sent this question to me and kind of read it over. Um, and the first thing that popped in my head, I don't usually even like really talk about this, but this is the reason that I decided to start training uh, jujitsu and ultimately begin that MMA career is right before, um, I'm trying to think of it. It was, it was 2018, and um, I had started kind of just rolling around with my friends and trying to get in shape again because, you know, I had gotten big. I was drinking a lot in college, and, you know, just, just like every other college kid does. But, um, you know, my, there, man. <laughs> my, my life had pretty much revolved around what was going on on Friday and Saturday, you know what I mean? Which is fine when you're in college, um, but, you know, it was my senior year of college, so you know, that that needed to end, right? Fifth year senior stuff. isn't attractive. Right, right, exactly. <laughs> but, yeah, so my senior year of college, right, I'm, I'm kind of just living for the weekends in a way, and um, I'm rolling around with some of my friends, and something weird happens to my knee, and, uh, you know, it feels like I have a bruise on my knee from, like, the top of my knee um, down. Like, my entire kneecap feels like it's bruised. Uh, but I kind of just like let it go and, and ice it. Um, but yeah, so I, I feel like I was trying to bruise on my knee and the following weekend, um, following weekend I, I'm going to Lollapalooza and, you know, I bought four day tickets and it's this big plan thing. I'm going to drink all weekend. It's going to be a great time. And, um, you know, Lala, I think that week was like Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Um, and on Thursday, before, you know, I took a nap and I woke up and my knee was like three times the size of a normal knee. It looked like a basketball. And it was filled with fluid and everything, but I already bought my tickets and I already planned this great weekend ahead. So I kind of just bit the bullet <laughs> and stuck through and kind of just, you know, it was gross. It was absolutely disgusting. But, you know, I go to the doctor the following Monday and, um, you know, he says that we got to get this fluid out, so he drains it and um, takes a ton of fluid out. And he's like, "All right, we should be good now." And I go home, I go to bed, and I wake up, and my knee's like three times the size it was before he drained it. Oh fuck! So we go back to the doctor, and they rush me in for emergency surgery. It turns out that I had some like damaged bursets uh, from wrestling, which is just like, you know, for those of you who don't know, it's like these. Um, First, you have to have these little cushions in your knee that separate your skin from your bone. And, um, you know, when you wrestle, as long as I ever grappled, these these cushions get flattened, and um, sometimes they get infected, and mine happen to flatten out and die, but also get infected with staph. So I had a, a pretty nasty staph in my knee. Yeah. So they cut me open and cleaned it all out, and they put me in a giant cast, and, um, you know, gave me a bunch of painkillers and stuff, and I was kind of just stuck in my room and on my couch for, um, you know, a month and a half or, or two months without the ability to do anything. And I did, you know, there was a lot of like reflection and thought during that time about what I wanted to do with my life. And, and especially like, you know, when you're put in a position where you can't do anything physically, like you literally can't, you really start to, to count your blessings and, and think about, you know, some of the gifts that you've been you've been graced with and in mind, you know, the first couple of things I thought about were grappling and fighting and, and how, you know, I haven't really taken advantage of that in the way I should have. 
Um, so once I once I got all healed up, the first thing I did was was join Trail Academy, and then from there on, um, yeah, from there on, it was kind of just game time. You know, I, I never looked back after I had that surgery. And, you know, it's funny. I watched um, I watched May Mac in the, in my cast. And, and that was one of the kind of the defining, not, not that it was a fight that really defined that I wanted to get in there and do it, but it was definitely something where I was like, man, I need, I need to get in there and, and start this process for sure. Damn. A fucking staph infection on an internal, yeah. that, that's fucking wild. Yeah, it was, it was, a, it was, a, it was a weird, it was a very long process. Defense show isn't going to save you from that shit. Yeah, exactly. And it was it wasn't anything thankfully it wasn't anything like um, it wasn't anything like muscular or like anything that, you know, I needed to rehab back up, but it you know, just the recovery process was I had this giant scar on my knee and there was a lot of like drainage that we had to deal with. It was just not it was not fun at all. Do you get like weird uh like nerve sensations along the scar or along that area? So my my knee that knee is like pretty much just dead now. Like I can't really feel anything in it, um, which is fine by me. <laughs> but um, yeah, because those burst apps like really help disperse energy, and, and they removed two of them. So that, on top of the fact that like they had to slice me open pretty good, uh, and I'll send you a picture of my knee and uh, the scar if you want to. Yeah, dude, I'll put it. I'll put um, it on when I post the episode for sure. Yeah. Um, but you can see on the picture of my knee, like, the, the scar itself is, is pretty big, so, um... Oh, uh, yeah, dude, I bet. Lot, I can't really wait to see it. it I had that, because uh, that's what I was afraid of. Like, it happened once when I was practicing. Like, I was switching from, um... Oh, fuck. Like, dude stands up in my guard, and then I was trying to, like, go for an overhook around his heel to set up single leg X, and, like the way I brought my forearm around to, like, collapse around their, uh, like, the back of their leg, like, I bashed the dead center of my forearm against their ankle, and, like, my whole arm went numb. And I was like, oh, fuck, what is this? Yeah. Yeah, I haven't been able to recreate that yet, thank fuck, but, um, <laughs> yeah. As this podcast draws to a close and we enter the fifth and final round, we can't get there without first visiting our corner and see what advice they have to dish out. Exiting this bout. Dish out some of that cornerman counsel. My advice to, to anyone in that situation, or just in life in general, is to make sure that you're staying true to yourself and, and doing things that you know you truly feel like happy doing. Um, I don't think you should ever like bookend yourself on on something that you know society is kind of pressing you to do or you know we've talked a lot about like societal norms in this, on this podcast and I think it's something that isn't talked about enough probably especially in our sport um, you know because it's filled with people who are doing things that we've grown up being told that we shouldn't right like don't don't horse around don't play fight don't choke each other don't hit each other um, but yeah that's the advice I would give is to just kind of you know make sure that you're doing exactly what you want to be doing and to live in the moment and not worry so much about the future because you should be doing stuff that makes you happy, you know? And if you're happy in the present, the future will take care of itself. Fuck yeah, it's poetic. It's now poetic. we just gotta... We'll put that on some some zebra print 
fucking rash guards when when Tyler gets his own gym. I don't know. There's there's so many cool shit things you could do with funky. Could literally be anything because it's funky. I love it. Exactly. For one, like only knowing you as like a cool dude that I met at um, grappling games, and honestly, it's funny because I reached out to marcos when he featured you on his story a few weeks ago i'm like how the fuck do you know tyler like i rolled against him months ago and like we were super cool with each other and like i never got his contact information and that bummed me the fuck out because like (laughs) i was like i really want to keep talking to this kid um so then i saw that i was like oh fuck gotta follow him gotta reach out so i'm really happy we made this work um i know your schedule is busy amidst work and preparing for uh your competition schedule upcoming so Thank you so much for uh, for carving out the time to come talk to me, Tyler. I, I fucking love this. Hopefully, uh, you know, later on in the future, we'll be able to do it again. Maybe down the line when your uh, career's advanced a little bit more and we see you in bigger shows even. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me on. It's been an absolute pleasure. Shout out to Marcos. Marcos, so many, like, relationships in this small community we have. It's awesome. Um, I love that, dude. It's been an absolute blast, man. Uh, thanks for having me on. Anytime you want me to come back on, I'm... I always have time to kind of chop it up about this. I love the sport and I love uh, the journey that I'm trying to go on here. So, Fuck yeah. Maybe after this whole uh, quarantine shit's over, we can even do one in person and get your man Brian in on it too. Make a yeah, real turn. Let's do it, dude. Fuck, we'll even get Marcos too. I'm sure he'd be open to it. Yeah. We'll give it a party, man. Fuck yeah. Make it real funky. Well,. Again, Tyler, thanks again so much. Loved having you on the podcast. Definitely going to be checking out that MMA fight. I'm going to say it's going to go forward in June. I'm going to put that energy out there. Fuck Pritzker. Like, (laughs) (laughs) if not, I'll make it out to your combat jujitsu match. It's been great, my friend. Um, Again, tell us where we can find you. Yeah, so, um, you know, Follow me on Instagram, Funky Bones Jones. Um, that's probably the social media that I use the most. Um, I also release vlogs on my my training camps and my my fights. Um, probably won't be one out for a couple weeks, but you can find all that stuff on Black Dragon Fighting Society. Um, just type that into your YouTube search bar, and you'll find uh, not only my fight vlogs, but also a podcast that I run with uh, my training partner Brian Salazar. But uh, yeah, and. There you have it, my millennial masterminds. Another episode. I had another fun time. I always have fun times with all these guests, and I really don't want to say this was my favorite episode because, truthfully, they're all my favorite episodes, despite how shitty I may come across or be. I just love hearing the stories, telling tall tales. You know, it's just a good time shooting the shit with people with similar interests. So thanks again for coming back in and listening. I hope you enjoy it. I really want to hear back uh, with some feedback. Like I mentioned earlier, the episodes are going to increase slightly. Um, I want to hear what you want to hear more of as a listener. So reach out to the podcast on social media, Twitter and Instagram, at Podcast, And that's spelled M-M-A-L-L-T-O-G-E-T-H-E-R. Can I use it in a sentence for you? Yes, I can. Please go to MM Altogether Podcast on Instagram and Twitter. Like and subscribe. Share with your friends so that way we can continue to build this community. 
and DM me. Tell me what you want to hear more of. Tell me what you want to hear less of. Tell me if you want to be on the podcast. Tell me if you know someone who you think would be a good fit on the podcast. Give me some feedback, and then we'll all be more in community with one another. Um, I know I always end it with a little bit of peace, understanding, love, and positivity. And to that, I will say, we're in a time of spring. It's a time of renewal. Things are a little funky right now. Shout out my boy Tyler, some of that funky bones juice. Uh, Things are a little funky right now in lieu of all the corona circumstances. Everyone is kind of in a phase shift almost. So do yourself a favor and like Tyler said, be true to yourself. Because once you're true with yourself and you embody and embrace who you are, you'll find that internal peace. When you have that understanding for yourself, you'll see yourself glow and you'll see yourself thrive in situations where you never saw yourself thrive before. Love, pretty self-explanatory. Love goes in every direction in the spectrum. Thank you, everyone, for showing me love by tuning into this podcast. Thank you, everyone, who reached out to me on my mom's birthday. That's a very tough day for me. I love the fact that you came to me and were able to share that back. It was able to make my day so much more fulfilling on a day that's very emotionally challenging for me. And positivity, like I've said many times, it sure as shit beats negativity, but in a lot of a lot of times our lives are so focused on what we don't have versus on what we do have. And I'm going to be absolutely cliche here because it's very strong with this metaphor is use the negative and flip it to a positive. Develop it like it's an image. That growth will go so far in all of our journeys. That's really all I have for you all today. Um, One last little show note. This episode was recorded the weekend after UFC 249, so if the timeline seems a little skewed, that's why. It's just uh, I pre-record these interviews because your boy producer Blake knows what he's doing. So, again, thank you all for tuning in. I love you so much. We'll be back next week. Keep your eyes and ears peeled for all three fight card breakdowns coming to you Monday and next week's episode on Thursday will feature the one and only Caio Oliveira. He's a black belt. He's one of my instructors and a dear friend of mine. So we'll see you next week. Until then, Alvida Zen, my millennial masterminds.